The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. This is uh, Ask the Pastors, Bible Questions Asked and Answered. We really need to shorten that, that title at some point, Pastor Nelson. No, we don't. Oh, well. It is what it is. <laughs> We're in my office uh, because every pastor doing a video has to have a video in front of their bookshelf. So here is mine, for what it's worth. Yep. And Nelson's isn't much better. Well, you have double bookshelves. I, 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 one. I do have double bookshelves. Yeah, I don't have as much wall. That's that's true. You don't have as much wall. We we put Nelson in the old uh, broom closet, literally almost, and uh, he's okay. He's being he's okay most of the time. Most of the time, it's all good. Well, welcome guys. We're from Tower View Baptist Church in Kansas City. Towerviewkc.com. Um, we do this about every week. We've done it for the last six weeks. I we just uploaded some videos to YouTube. So six weeks today, we didn't have any actual questions that came in for us to answer biblically that were submitted by you, the viewer. So we have, and we wanted to talk about um, something that came out yesterday called the stateoftheology.com, which is from Ligonier Ministries, R.C. Scrolls Ministry. Um, we've used that before in many ways, but uh, if you're joining us, we're going to talk about that today. Just we're kind of going to freelance this a bit. We've got some direction, but um, the survey came out, and it was, uh, if we understand it correctly, the survey was asked prior to the pandemic, COVID around the world, so some of these answers may change positively or negatively. Who knows? But the questions are about basic theology, what you believe and why you believe it. So um, we're going to go through those. Let me just read some uh, basic things here so you can understand what is uh, going on with these questions. These are from evangelical people, and I'm going to ask Nelson. We'll go through these. And these are what the evangelical people in America supposedly said in a survey. 31% of the State of Theology survey said that science disproves the Bible. 33% say gender is a choice. 38% said Jesus was not God. 62% say God accepts all religions. 62% also say the Holy Spirit is the force. Think Star Wars there or Jehovah's Witness. 66% say people are good by nature. And 75% say God first created Jesus. There are other things in the survey um, this was summarized by a ministry friend, Ken Lupton, and it's just an easy snapshot. But these were the more uh, disconcerting, make you go throw up in the backyard as a pastor kind of things. I don't know. Nelson, what do you think about the state of evangelicals in America right now based on this survey? And I'm going to share this on Facebook while you talk. Okay. Um, well, to some degree, it doesn't surprise me. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's pessimistic news. Right. Um, it doesn't surprise me. Right. So this survey, they do it every. Apparently, they've done it every two years since 2014. Yes. I think it was. Yes. And they ask, and as they ask, they ask not just evangelicals. They ask the country as a whole, and then people, and then they ask some other questions to define if you're evangelical or not. Yeah. And so, uh, so these are self-described evangelicals, and they have like four questions they ask to define if you're evangelical. So, so you. You think, okay, you're evangelical, you should get these things, but we are very, 
biblically illiterate society, especially even within the evangelical world. Um, we are biblically illiterate. We, people do not read the Bible. Um, reading, you know, the, the little uh, devotional booklet, that's, you know, it's only three inches tall, four inches tall, and that's all, and you read the one little verse at the top, and that's the only Bible verse you get. The daily bread. Yeah. What he's um, referring. Nothing wrong with daily bread, but just in yeah, general. But if that's all you read, mm-hmm. you know, you know, that's like, you know, an infant only, you know, drinks, you know, a few ounces of milk a day. You know, but if I only drank a few ounces of milk today, you know, I would be in the hospital shortly because of malnutrition. And so that, you know, that's fine for a beginning and maybe a jumping off point. But I handed our, those our daily breads out to some people recently, and I said, "Okay, I'm going to give you this, but you got to promise me something. There's one verse at the top. Don't just read that verse. Go get your Bible out and read the verse in front of it and the verse behind it at the minimum." Yes. Okay. If not the entire chapter that that verse belongs to. And what was the norm? What was the reaction? We're looking at comments as they come in. Hey, Jeff. Um. Well, the, well, they said they would do it, <laughs> and they will. You know, and I yes. pray that they they may not do it every day, but I pray they start doing it more often than they did in the past. Yeah. And, and that's the struggle. I mean, you read scripture, and it's like, well, I just can't be like Pastor Darren where he reads 17 chapters every day while he's running. Um, is that what you do? I know it is. Yeah, I do. Yeah, you carry your Bible with you while you're running and read That's that. exactly it. Right. Right. But it's not about that. It's like, do you read more than you did last year? Are you on, on par? Are you getting up there? So yeah, you read these things, and it's discouraging. In some ways, it's discouraging. Thirty-one percent says science disproves the Bible. Hmm. Well, that means what, what? What about the other, you know, sixty-nine percent? Because there's two-thirds of people. So in a lot of these, it's and and we can we'll we'll try to go through these point by point. But yeah, it's it's this is what Ligonier said in their conclusion. They said the 2020 State of Theology Survey, just quoting here. Uh, reveals a widespread confusion in the U.S. about the Bible's teaching. While America in general appears to be drifting away from accepting the truths of the Christian faith, the growing and imminent health of social concerns at the time of the survey are partly responsible for this. This pandemic gets blamed for a lot of things. Evangelicals, while showing some hopeful movement in the direction of biblical fidelity, also seem to be influenced by how the culture and uncertainty about what truth is, who Jesus is, and how sinners are saved operate. These results reveal an urgent need for clear biblical teaching on the person of Christ, the gospel of grace, and the way that the truth of God informs our ethical decisions in everyday life. So if you're watching this and you are uh, a churchgoer and you do not know um, some of these basic question answers, these this is not just the pastor's job. We do this Ask the Pastor thing. We think it's helpful for our church and anyone else you're watching. But there's definitely – there's some responsibility here. I mean this is uh, – Matt Appling, a friend of mine from seminary, posted on my personal page. He said, you know, he wondered how much of this was, was culturally or politically influenced in the sense that a lot of people claim to be evangelical. But based on this, mm-hmm. on the classic definition of the term pastor, are, an evangelical is someone who, who takes the gospel and believes in, in the basics of the faith. And that uh, – clearly well, we're yeah. missing something. Yeah, well, I mean part of the – their definition of evangelical is somebody that believes the Bible right. that is true. Sure. Okay. And I can't believe that four questions. So they didn't just say, are you evangelical? Right. They asked four questions to quantify that. And then they said, okay, if they answered these four questions this way, then they're, they're classified as evangelical. Yeah. 
So these are people who claim to know the Bible. Now, does the science disprove the Bible? Well, one, you know, there's not, you know, is if you the take Bible a Bible scientific textbook. Right? No, it's not a scientific textbook. And there's, you know, as far as the, if you read science, you know, you're not going to find a lot of sciency things in here. You you get Genesis, how the world was created. That's the biggest deal, right? How the world was created. Mm-hmm. And scientists, you know, says everything takes millions of years. Now this always gets me in trouble, but who's going to get you? In it trouble? just gets I'm me in trouble. Me. I know. So. Is it exactly 24-hour periods? It doesn't matter if it's 24-hour periods or not. God did it. He did it in a certain order. That actually agrees with science. The way he, the order that's in there agrees with science, with the order of, uh, of creation, where evolutionary science, it agrees with it. The time frame may not agree. But back to the survey, the, the, you know, most of these people on the survey, 30, 30, 31%, so basically a little over... You know, two-fifths of people mm-hmm. said, uh, you know, we don't believe the Bible has any scientific value. It's not a scientific textbook. No, you don't find physics in there. You don't find chemistry in right. here. E equals MC squared is, yeah. is not in there. Rocket science, there's, a there's no calculus in the Bible. Right. So this is this is something that – Go ahead. You know, but you know what? Everything, multiple times in the scripture, it talks about directions, north, south, east, west. Mm-hmm. And, and, and numerous times it says – that God talks about, you know, how far how far away your sin is, and it says as far as the east is from the west. Mm. It never says how far is the north from the south. Yeah. Because if you go north, you will at some point you will stop going north, and your next step will be south when you're at the North Pole. Yeah. But if you go east, as long as you go due east, you will never stop going due east, no matter where you are in the world. Some people call that insanity, doing the same thing. Right. Yeah. So it talks about east and west. Like it, the people in the Bible knew that they were on a globe and that east and west just went around forever. Yeah. And they knew that north and south didn't go forever. And Job, you know, Job even talks about the sphere of the earth. And we, we can go through examples. But the point is, is that, you know, we, we faith and science are not necessarily always in conflict. It doesn't necessarily mean they agree all the time. But it's not just something that, as a Christian, you don't just have to say, well, the Bible – well, I believe it because the Bible said it. You should believe it because the Bible said yes. it. That is true. But there's also very many – and we're not going to go into all these today, maybe another time – where the Bible does speak well of things scientifically that we now know as, as, as fact, just like in archaeology. You look at history, and even through this industry, people say, oh, well, the Bible doesn't speak to anything archaeologically, and yet time after time – where do they start off first? They start in the Bible to go say where something is. And more often than not, they find it if it hasn't already been destroyed or ruined anyway. Before so. the 20th century, almost all scientists, except for – what's his name? What's the evolution? Darwin. Darwin. Almost all scientists, the reason they were doing science was to find out how God did things. Yeah. Their purpose was to find out how God did it. And the only really major bone of contention that science has with the Bible is evolution. Mm-hmm. That is the only bone of contention. And science has come around. One of the things in, in, in physical science, they have come around. So when I was in high school, they didn't like to talk about the Big Bang Theory. They talked about other theories. But now they have come to realize that the universe is ever-expanding 
It's not going to re-collapse in billions of years. It's going to expand forever, and they can go back to a point in time where the universe was in a tiny, infinitesimal point, and there was a beginning of the universe. There was a beginning, which is in the Bible. In the beginning. So science has come out and proved the Bible. And uh, so they argue about evolution. That's not about science. That's about a philosophy. Their God is time. Well, this and this and this happens, and then great time happens. Mm. Well, what's the difference between that and saying God did it? So they they refuse to say that God did it. And so evolution is the only thing that has a bone of contention with the Bible is evolutionary theory. Not physics, not chemistry. You know, the only there are some miracles that happen that suspend those things, but those are you know infinitesimal for the whole scripture. And so, there's nothing about science that disproves the Bible or vice versa. Yeah. It's just the evolutionary theory. Right. And the key word on theory. And so. You know, Hebrews 11 talks about by faith we understand that God created the world. Or Psalm 19, 1, the heavens declare the glory of God, the, the, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Romans 1 talks about how, you know, we can look at around creation and know without excuse that there is a God. So even if a person says, well, I believe so heavily, and, and if you're joining us, we're talking about the state of theology, uh, a survey put out by Legionnaire Ministries where 31% of evangelicals say that science disproves the Bible. So we're not trying to unpack a whole um, uh, thesis here against science. We're not saying they're not compatible. But the Bible, there are some things you do take on faith. There are some things. A miracle is considered supernatural because it's not normal. So yes, we believe that it was a miracle that Lazarus raised from the dead or water turned into wine or those things. But it doesn't mean that God also does not operate in what we might call normal day life and through the daily processes. So it is a miracle that we exist. It's a miracle that things happen, but it's also God's providence and his, his, his working through history that the, the leaves blow just like science tells us. We don't see the wind and yet, yet it's there, you know, run the list. So, so to say 31% science disproves the Bible, I think really undermines what God's word says. And it speaks volumes about what the people actually believe about the Bible as a topic. All you, you know, you, you read all these, but but as we as we look at all these, and I'm I'm looking at them, you guys can't see them, but all these things, the thing that all come back on all of them is trusting the Bible and trusting Scripture as the Word of God <laughs> and as the authority for truth. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's not saying that we don't trust science as truth, but the but the Scripture is not a scientific thing. So yes, go study science. I've taken chemistry and physics courses in college. I follow, I keep up with that stuff on the website. And the more I see about it, the more I'm amazed how God created this world and it works the way it's designed. And we had a mom, a friend of mine, Courtney Tarwater, whose husband Drew serves as pastor in Denver, says, you know, what makes a baby is is in the Bible. You know, Psalm 139, things like that. And so there there are numerous examples where Mm – to say it's it's an easy and I'm going to use that word intentionally cop out I think to say science disproves the Bible because you don't want to wrestle with or or take by faith certain areas of the Bible. Yes, there is a faith element, and no Christianity. If you're a skeptic watching this, is not a crutch that we stand on. We stand on reason. We stand on logic and things. But at the end of the day, 
it's either this Bible's true or it's not. And that's a whole other thing. We'll get there. But science does not necessarily disprove the Bible straight out. And there are smarter brains than I that can argue against that. But at the end of the day, we don't have anything that says, you know, completely the Bible's wrong because we found this on CNN.com and they did this study, right. a controlled study. I mean, at some there, there are places, you know, God, Job, in Job, God talks about storehouses of snow. Right. Okay, yeah, obviously that's, that's a word picture. I mean, yeah. But isn't that what a cloud is? That's where the snow comes from, right? It's, it's a form of a, a, a – it's not a scientific ice, description. Ice crystals there. Right. Yeah. And so um, and, and so God uses you know some poetic language to describe things, mm-hmm. but it's not anti-scientific in any way. And so and there's nothing about science that disproves the Bible. Um, it may not explain the miracles, mm-hmm. but that doesn't disprove the science and it doesn't disprove the Bible. They are not at odds with one another. God created science. Yeah. You know, I had a physics class, and the first day of class, the professor asked, why is the sky blue? And a Christian in the class, wasn't me, somebody else said it, said, um, because God made it that way. And the professor was wise enough to say, okay, what physical phenomenon did God use to make the sky blue? You know, to describe how the atmosphere works and filtering the light. And so God uses physics. God is the creator of physics. Mm-hmm. You know, and so they're, they're, I don't have a problem with science and the Bible. They don't, they don't, you know, my kids are taking science. They're taking engineering courses. One of your um, kids is literally going to be a rocket scientist. He is studying <laughs> to be a rocket scientist. That's right. Um, That's kind of cool. And I, you know, and I, I study it on the side. I mean, I read, I, I, one of the, my bookmarks is physics.org, F-Y-S, physics.org. Because I like to look at that stuff. Yeah. And, and the things we're discovering about quantum mechanics. Um, it's, it's amazing. You know, nothing disproves God. Yeah. It just shows that God, he engineered the big, the huge universe. But he's also got control of the, 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 the tiny the things that are inside an atom, inside a molecule. And yeah. he created it. And they all work together. And that's what, you know, R.C. Sproul, who founded Ligonier Ministries years ago, said, you know, there's no maverick molecule. He's famous for that quote. There's no maverick molecule in the universe. And, and, and that, you know, scientists would agree with that. It's orderly. Well, where did that order come from? So that kind of leads us into the next one. If you're joining us, we're from Tower View Baptist Church. I'm Darren. This is Nelson. And, um, uh, yeah, Jeff, it's not blind faith. That's for sure. God does have a point to it. Um, the, the second one is this, is that 33% on the State of Theology survey says gender is a choice. This is, this is a very – so two-thirds uh, – excuse me, one-third said gender is a choice. And this is, this is a very cultural thing right now. Uh, if you're watching this, I want to be very clear. Genesis 1 says you know, God created them male and female. Uh, this is not to deny, just like any other struggle in life, that people do not have inclinations – to think themselves something other than they're not, um, whether you whether that's homosexuality, whether that is uh, uh, you know um, uh, you know anger, even you, you know, we 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 personify ourselves in many ways and think ourselves different than we were actually made and created to be. Doesn't mean someone won't struggle with their identity, but God is very clear about what our our, our uh, gender is. It's male and female. So if you're watching this, we want to have great compassion. We want to speak compassionately to these issues. We don't want to assume that, um, that this is an easy topic, but the Bible does speak very clearly. 
it, it says that God, there, there is no transgender, there's no bigender, there's no metrosexual, there's no homosexual. Um, those, are, those are things people can claim, those are things people can participate in. But as far as identity, the Bible says you're either male or you're female. There are certainly things when people are, uh, uh, you know, there are people that um, due to the nature of sin and abnormalities, there are certain things that people will experience in their life where they may have a mix of such things. But in the end of things, God has created male and female. So gender is not a choice. You are born as you were born. The Bible is replete with that in Job, through the Psalms. Uh, it's very clear on this topic. So as a Christian, you can't bow down to the idols of culture and believe that you can be who you want to be. I can't be a cat. That would be kind of cool. But I can't be a cat because that's what it is. And uh, that's, a, that's a big can of worms I just opened up. And that's a lot of discussion. But, Pastor, uh, I, I, I agree with everything you said. The gender, and we're born a certain gender, okay. most of us. There is a tiny, tiny minority yes. where there's literally a birth defect. Yes, in your genitalia, the gen deformities, and things. yeah, there, there's yeah. really a birth defect, and either you have both or you have neither. Right, right, and and that's the only time there's an issue. It's like, what do you do if you have both? Yeah. What do you do if you have neither? You know, that's the only time it's an issue. But you know, nine that's ninety nine and a half percent of the rest of us or more, mm -hmm. it's not an issue. Yeah, and so it's a matter of do we trust God? Yes, there were some men who who were more feminine mm -hmm. in characteristics. And, and mannerisms, and, and maybe even interests. Mm -hmm. And there are some women who are more masculine, and for all those same reasons. But that doesn't, and it doesn't mean you can't be who you are. It's, it's so, you know, God doesn't say you can't have be a man with some more feminine characteristics. But he so, is clear about. But you're still a man. But you're still a man, yes. And the, a woman who has some, you know, uh, more masculine de characteristics. You know, a woman who wants to be an auto mechanic. That's fine. Yeah. A man who wants to be a stay-at-home dad. That's fine. Yeah, you wouldn't know anything about oh, that. No, would I would you? no, 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 no. I loved going to the field trip. <laughs> I did. I, I, when I get deployed and I couldn't go on a field trip yeah. anymore, it was depressing. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's not about the, the specific role. You know, you're, you're still a man. You're still a woman. You know, we don't have to have, you know, hard set that every, okay, only these jobs are for women and only these jobs are for men. I mean, the only job that a woman can have that a man can't have is giving birth to a child. Yes. You know, a man cannot do that. And you cannot change a naturally born man to speak further to that, to no. have the right. uh, opportunity to, no, to experience that. No, we haven't figured out how to do that, yeah. no. I mean, we can cut things off and, and give you hormone shots. Um, but you know, you, the God, by nature, gives us a nature. And, you know, sometimes we struggle with that nature. You know, we struggle with the role. I understand, and, and that's part of life. We we all have struggles, and so we can struggle with our role as a man. Okay, what does that? We struggle with our role as a woman. The struggle in itself is not the problem. It's the choices that we make. Are we going against what God created us to be? Yeah. And and sometimes that's the struggle is really more with the people around us. Yeah. You know, we have these defined roles or these attitudes of, well, a man should always do this and a woman should always do this. And if you're not that way, there's something wrong with you. And that's our problem. It's a cultural It's a cultural for, thing. For the most part, a cultural and, thing. But, you know, this, you know, science and the Bible, that's, you know, we've been arguing that since, the, you know, the 1900s or the 1800s. 
Yeah. But this gender one is a new thing. It's only come up in the last 20 years, really. And and I would put a word out here, both of caution and I think he's worth reading just to get perspective. Uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Sam Albury. Sam Albury, who is a uh, um, a uh, Anglican priest. Uh, well, I will say this: a what we would consider to be in most of America Bible believing uh, Christian who is single. He's celibate. Uh, but he has become very popular in recent years. Ravi Zacharias Ministry, even Midwestern here in Kansas City, others have had him speak Gospel Coalition. I don't fully endorse his ministry. There's some things I would personally have some contention with. But for perspective, it's, it's interesting to read Sam Alberry because he claims to be he, – he, I believe he is a brother in Christ, but he struggles very much with homosexual desire. So you get in that, that question of – desire versus action and mm-hmm. is it okay to entertain a thought are you sinning if you entertain a thought versus acting on that thought and so in the question of gender when 33 percent on the state of theology.com survey say gender is a choice sam alberry I, I would imagine would say hey guys um no uh, <laughs> even even though i struggle through these things it's very clear male and female even yesterday there's a uh, there's a uh, a, a man who had an operation to become a woman who is a very famous track athlete in South Africa. Uh, and at a huge reversal yesterday in the running world, uh, this athlete was denied further competition until uh, the testosterone levels that are natural to his manhood, which he denies in his, his quote-unquote womanhood, are lowered because he's competing basically as a natural man in a woman's sport. And there are physical differences. Uh, and he's literally mopping everybody up because he's, he's a mediocre male runner, but it, it put into female times, he, he looks like a world-class athlete. So you just got to be careful here. If you're struggling with this, we, we, we would love to reach out to you. We're just talking through these things. We know we're kind of shooting from the, uh, from the barrel here, so to speak, and it's, it's hot and off the press, but this is the summary of what the Bible said. Let's go to number three, Pastor. Um, 38% of the State of Theology survey, and I'm going to scroll down the comments here. Sometimes I get behind on these. I think we're up to date. Say Jesus was not God. 38%. We're kind of getting more, how do you say this? It's all theological. We're kind of getting more Christ-centered here. Yeah. 38% say Jesus was not God. That's a weird number anyway, 38%. Since mm-hmm. some people are really struggling with this maybe. Yeah, what do you think about that? Is that surprising? Bigger. Do you think that should be higher or lower for most evangelicals? For most evangelicals, I'd say as an evangelical, to me that would be a defining feature. If you're an evangelical, you would believe that Jesus is God. You would hope so. Right. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's just speaking to um, a, a lack of consistency in our belief. That we say that Jesus is our Savior, assuming that you say that if you're an evangelical, yeah. you believe the Bible, mm-hmm. but then you say Jesus is not God. And so that's an inconsistent thing. You, you can't believe the Bible and then say Jesus is not God because the Bible over and over again says that Jesus is God. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's an allusion to, it's, it's kind of inferred, and other times it's more direct. Right. That Jesus is God. You know, yes, the word Trinity is never found in Scripture. <laughs> it's a word that theologians made up. So if you say Trinity, you're speaking with theological terms. But the idea of Trinity is there over and over again. One God and three persons. And, and so to say that you're a Christian and say that Jesus is not God is inconsistent. It's it's very scary because you're right. You know, Colossians 2, two uh, excuse me, 2, 9. Uh, for the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. That's the old uh, 
Holman Christian Standard Bible, the Hardcore Southern Baptist Bible, uh, and similar terms. But yeah, if you, if you deny, I mean, John 1, 1, John 1, 14, Colossians 2, 9, the whole book of John, I mean, you run the list. The Bible is replete with, with clear evidence that Jesus is God. And to say he's not God is to say that Jesus is just a good teacher. He's just a, you know, he, he was a, he was a charismatic leader. He, or as to use C.S. Lewis's famous terms, he was a liar, he was a lunatic, but he certainly wasn't the Lord. So this is where a lot of people, like Pastor said, kind of taking off that, that they want Jesus as Savior. They want him to save them from their sins and their situation, but they don't want to take him as Lord. And the Bible doesn't know that. It, it, you take Jesus as Savior, but you take him as Lord. In order for him to be your Savior, he has to be the only authority over your life. So, And there's so much there, but if you there, deny there, this, you deny There are four passages that you need to read. Yes. Okay. John chapter 1. Bingo. It's not the entire chapter, but John chapter 1. Yep. Philippians chapter 2. Yep. Colossians chapter 1. Mm-hmm. And Hebrews chapter 1 and 2. Yes. You read those four passages, and they're called the Christological passage. They tell you about who Jesus is. So John 1, Philippians 2, Colossians 1, Hebrews 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. You read those, and it's a within those chapters are a very descriptive way to describe who Jesus Christ is, yep. Yep. and you will get exactly who the Bible is. Now, if you read those and you can't believe that, then you're not a Christian. Yeah. Okay. You, you're denying the deity of Christ. You're denying who He is, and so, but at least you're not lying to yourself. Yep. Okay. But you got to read those four passages. And if you deny, I, and, and just to go off with that, you know, Romans ten nine says, uh, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. If you confess, it's not just to say it, it's to agree with it, is what the Greek says. You agree Jesus is Lord and believe that who God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So at the most basic level, to the 38% say Jesus is not God, and they still get the ology survey that came out yesterday from Liz and Eric. Look, if you're watching this and you don't know Christ, to say that Jesus is God is not just a distinctive of Christianity. It is it is the choice you have to make. Because when Matthew 16, when uh, Jesus uh, came to the people and said, who do you say that I am? And some said, you know, some say you're John the Baptist, you're Elijah, you're one of the prophets. But he looked at Peter and he said, no, but who do you individually, you individual, say that I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. So you have to believe this to be saved. There is no salvation. There's no forgiveness. If, if just a man named Jesus or a man named Nelson Regeren died for you, you have to have deity mixed with humanity. We believe that he's truly God and truly man. Does that you know take, what? Go ahead. You know what? Satan believes that Jesus is God. He does. James 2.19. Satan believes yeah. that Jesus is God. Mm-hmm. Now, he doesn't put his faith in Jesus. He yeah. doesn't follow Jesus. But he believes that Jesus. So just that head knowledge is not enough. That's, right. that's the beginning point. Yeah. But even Satan believes that because he knows that, and that's what he's fighting. He's trying to fight and make you not believe it. Trying to make you believe it. Thirty-eight percent. Right. So this next statistic then is not surprising. Uh, you know, so thirty-eight percent said Jesus is not God. Sixty. Th- these next few, if you're a Christian, they they should make bring out your barf bag. Pardon the pun, but seriously, sixty-two percent say God accepts. All 
religions. God accepts 62% of professing evangelical Christians in a recent survey say God accepts all religions. We don't know what is meant by accept. Does that mean that they're created in his image? We don't know. But I think I'm reading this, Pastor, that accepts means, hey, you're okay. I'm okay. All We're all okay. All religions point to Rome. Yeah, all, all roads that's what, that's what people lead, are lead to Rome. Yeah. All, 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 especially the monolithic ones. The, the mono, not monolithic. Yeah. But monotheistic, monotheistic guys. Yeah. Yeah. So Judaism and, and Muslim Islam. and Islam. Right. Um, Islam's a religion. Muslim's a faith now. Right. Is Islam and, and Judaism and Christianity? Because if you read the, you know, ostensibly we do all go yeah. to the same God. Right. Right. But the difference is Jesus. Yes. You know, in Judaism, Jesus is just a prophet. Mm-hmm. And, and and the same in, in Islam. Jesus is just a prophet, right? And they deny that Jesus, that Jesus, you know, could have died on the cross. That's right. too humiliating for a prophet of God to do, right? Um, but some even go to, the, you know, do include Hinduism and Buddhism that they are pointing to the same God. Some people think yeah. that in their mind, right? And the, one of the biggest things about Christianity, especially the difference between that and Islam, is the idea of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. There is no idea of forgiveness in Islam. It's hope um, you get forgiven. You, you hope you forgive. Good. Right. It, it's a, it's yeah. a work salvation. Right. And you know, and you don't know that you're saved until after you die. Yeah. If, if, if Allah will grant you His mercies, yep. you pray for it. Yep. You seek it, but you don't know. And even if you, with respect, even if you blow yourself up as a Muslim, as some radical Muslims believe, doesn't guarantee on Judgment Day that you'll be you'll no. get your seventy virgins. No. So so some verses on this. You know, God says He accepts all roads. Let's be absolutely clear here. God, and this goes back to the gender win. Uh, God has created everyone in His image. People are special. We're above the animals. We know that from theology, from Bible. But God is very clear. Jesus said, John fourteen six, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Acts four twelve. There's salvation in no other name under heaven except uh, the name of Christ. You know, we can go on and on and on. Uh, but at the end of the day, Christianity does not hold a kumbaya. Let's all hold hands and sing together. Peace. Uh, I remember being at uh, William Jewell. There's a local. With good intentions, perhaps, uh, organization uh, called Hate Busters, where the goal is to unify people around a common good. And, and, and you know, that's not always bad. We can work with people who are different than us. That's a, that's a standard thing God's given us. But at the end of the day, Christian, we cannot say that God accepts all religions. God will say, Matthew 7, 21 through 23, the verses that keep us up at night. There will be people who stand before God and say, well, didn't I do this for you? Didn't I do that for you? Didn't I do this religious exercise? And God will look at them, Jesus said, and say, away from me, you evildoer. I never knew you. So you either believe Jesus is the way to heaven, he's fully God, he's fully man, or you don't. I mean, it's that simple. The line in the sand is right there. And that separates Christianity from all other beliefs. doesn't mean, let's be absolutely clear here, it doesn't mean Christians should not show grace or humility, or compassion, or it doesn't mean that Christians can't talk to people of other religions, of course, but as far of at the end of the day, you either believe that, that, that Jesus is who he said he is, or he doesn't, and that affects all these questions. Yeah. Well, I, as, as an army chaplain, I have to work with people you of, do. of all denominations, but also of other religions, Right. and so uh, our chapels are used for multiple religious services to different, not, not only different denominations, but different mm-hmm. religions. 
And so when a Christian service is over, we have to take the cross down and go put it away. Yeah. And then a, a Buddhist service or a Hindu service or an Islamic service will come in. Yeah. And I have to work with soldiers of all those faiths. You're not you know, denying them. I'm not denying them their right to worship in the way that they see fit. I don't have to agree with it. But I work with them and I treat them kindly to understand, you know, you know Christ is there. Mm-hmm. And I have had conversations with those other uh, soldiers and chaplains of other religions about their faith mm-hmm. and about my faith. And, and we, we, we talk in a respectful way. We don't get in an argument or a fist fight. And I can do that because I am secure in my faith that I know that even though they're choosing not to follow my faith, they know what my faith is. Because as a chaplain, I have a cross on my uniform. There's no doubt on who who I am following. And yet, I have had Muslim soldiers come and we sit and talk about life. I've got to even meet an Iraqi Muslim officer and sit there and talk about some of the areas where we actually do agree. And then where we don't agree. Yeah. I have been to a mosque in, in Kuwait City. I actually stood up in the pulpit and go, what would it be like to preach Christ with this room full of 10,000 people? Because yeah. it was the Grand Mosque of Kuwait. Mm. And, and, and it just you know, awestruck me. You know, but, you know, but at the same time, it was like, these people come and they're not worshiping the risen Savior. Yeah. And, and so... But yet I am secure in my faith. I can do that because of the security of my faith and still be not a in-your-face witness. Mm-hmm. I've never been that person. Yeah. I've, I've been every place I've ever worked, people, everybody knew I was a Christian, mm-hmm. even when I was a computer programmer. But I didn't hand out, uh, but I never handed out tracts to everybody either. But yet they knew I was a Christian. And they would come and ask me Bible questions from time to time. It happened even in high school when I was... You know, the shortest guy in school. People would still come and ask me Bible questions, you know, and then make fun of me for it later. But yeah, that they were asking. That they would still come and ask. They knew where my faith was. Yeah. And this, you know, these questions, if you're watching, you're not a Christian, so glad you're with us live or otherwise. Uh, these, are, these are important questions. This is really what life is all about. And so this next, this next thing that we had on the theology survey, we just have three more. Was 62% said the whole 62% of professing evangelical Christians say the Holy Spirit is a force? I want to speak to this for a second. I'm going to credit my friend Brian Baker um, up in North Central Missouri. Uh, Brian Baker is a pastor up there of the uh, a church, and he's a he's a, got a godly ministry up there. Uh, Brian Baker commented last night on Facebook. I think it's very wise that Star Wars has discipled more of our kids and adults more than the Bible has. And uh, I want to be clear here, the Bible affirms, and you can go to Acts 5, you can go to the Psalms, you can go to Genesis 1, that the Holy Spirit is the third, what we would say, the third person of the Trinity, but is fully God. The Father is God, Jesus is God, the Spirit is God, there is one God, three persons, they're co-equal, co-eternal, co-powerful, etc. The Father is not the Son, Son is not the Spirit, Spirit is not the Father, but together they are one God. And when you hear this 60... 62% 62% say the Holy Spirit is a force. That's Star Wars theology, and that's Jehovah's Witness theology. Jehovah's Witnesses believe that the Holy Spirit is a force. They were, uh, well, they were influencers to a degree in the Star Wars trilogy because some of those folks liked the fact that there was this mysterious force that you can feel throughout the universe. And when you know Jehovah's Witnesses, 
were some of those folks who had that, uh, that experience. Friends, the Holy Spirit is fully God. He's the convictor of our souls. He's the director, the guider. He's the one who seals us for salvation, Ephesians 4.30, etc., etc. But he is not a force. He's not some conjuring up that you do with Luke Skywalker in your backyard with a lightsaber. And so this, this should, but I'm going to reflect one more thing. In a Baptist context, I'm not depending on who these people are. I'm not surprised at this stat because we do not do a good job, Nelson. I don't think talking about the Spirit in context and not letting some of the uh, some of the theology out there that is bad tell us how we should view the Spirit as some people do. Well, there there are books yeah. and, and studies even mm-hmm. like God through the movies. Yeah, and, and Star Wars is one of the most prominent ones that they talk about. Correct. Correct. And 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 so and, and sometimes I think this one here is, you know, it's a matter of definition. You know, God, you know, Holy Spirit is not the force that can be commanded, as if you know, like Star Wars, the force you can learn how to use the force, you can conjure it up, yeah. you 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 can command it to do it what you want. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit is not at our beck and call. Mm-hmm. But yes, it is a force to be reckoned with. God is a force to be reckoned with, and. You're not going to, you can't fight the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And you can't, you know, so, but God is not, a, you know, a magical God that you have the right incantation, you have the right thoughts, the right attitude, and he will do whatever you want. Yeah. And, and and that's, I think that's the confusion. Uh, to me, th- this one here is, is, is just ripe for confusion. Yeah. Um, the Holy Spirit is, you know, in a, in a sense, it is a force to contend with. But, but not it's not Star Wars. It's not a the force Star Wars that you can control and and and, and influence. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, God is everywhere. God is the creator of the trees and the midi chlorians and everything else. Okay, God is the creator of it all, mm-hmm. and He does control it. But we don't. We can never control it. Yeah. You know, I can build a dam to hold back the water, and so it looks like I'm controlling it. But that dam will eventually, uh, without maintenance, will eventually fail. Yeah. And, we, you know, and it, it's the same with, you know, we can build a building. And we have a wonderful building here. But without maintenance, it will fall apart. Well, and I remind you, and, and it leads right into Acts 8, and we'll do this with our next one, is Acts 8 talks about Simon the sorcerer, Simon the magician. And it says, when Simon saw that the Holy Spirit was, Acts 8, thir- Acts 8, 18, when Simon saw the Holy Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power too, so anyone I lay hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter told him, Acts 8, 20, May your silver be destroyed with you, because you thought the gift of God could be obtained by money. You have no part or share in this matter, because your heart is not right before the Lord. Therefore, repent of the wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that his intent of your, the intent of your heart may be forgiven. For I see you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by sin. So even Simon the sorcerer in the early days of the church thought, boy, if I can just get a hold of that Holy Spirit, my life is going to be radically different. Uh, but friends, you don't need to buy it. And the, the Holy Spirit is for those once and for all who turn to faith in Christ. Uh, you're baptized in the Holy Spirit once. You're saved once. And you are you are called by the Spirit one time. And that's what we believe. So uh, 62% say the Holy Spirit is the force. We would say no. Let's go to the next one. Two more here. 66% Pastor Nelson say that people are good by nature. And we say this, don't we? 
well, you know, he's a good guy, or he's good natured, or he he he's a he's a nice man. You know, those are all uh, those are all good things. But the Bible is very clear. We are Ephesians two. We're dead in our sins. Psalm fifty one. We're born into sin. I'm not surprised by this, but I'm surprised 67% is this high. I'm surprised it's well, that high. And once again, I think this is a a place of confusion. Yeah. Because we look at our neighbors and we compare ourselves to serial killers. Right. I'm not as bad as that guy. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm not a serial killer. I'm not. I'm not a thief. I'm not a robber. Yeah. Therefore, I'm a good guy. I don't break the law. I've never been arrested. Um, you know, I haven't done all these evil things. So therefore, I'm a good guy. Yeah. And so we use good by our definition. Um, what was what was the girl that was in the Nazi concentration camps? Was it Anne? Uh, Anne Frank. Anne Frank. Anne she Frank. said. That yeah. she, I mean, she's one of the really popular. You know, a lot of people have read. You know, that Anne Frank thought that people were basically good. Mm-hmm. But you she's know? quoted by a lot of Christians as and someone she, who's yeah. a saint. Yeah. Right. Because yeah, she, you know, she did good work. Yeah. She, she did good things. She right. did some good things. Right. And she suffered at the hands of some very evil people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but when you when so when we look left and right on this world, we think, well, I am good because I'm not as bad as them. Yeah. Okay. You know, I'm you know I'm a good pastor because I haven't done that stuff that those pastors over there got arrested for. Okay. <laughs> um. But we're looking the wrong direction. You know, and this is the Corinthian problem. You know, uh, the Corinthians were comparing themselves. You know, some of them were for Apollos, and some of them were for Peter, and some were for Paul, and 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 they were comparing themselves. Uh, Paul argues for two two books that we have in the Bible, First and Second Corinthians. They were comparing themselves. The Corinthians were by themselves, where he said, "Yeah, and they, yeah, I'm not as bad as that guy over there." You know, he slept with his mother-in-law, First Corinthians yeah. five, or, uh, or or his mother-in-law, excuse me, his stepmom probably. You know, I'm not as bad. I'm not like that guy. I'm not that bad, mm-hmm. friend. If you're watching this, the Bible says there's nothing good in you. There's the Bible says there's no one who does good. Romans three, no, not one. Uh, there's nothing that I mean to the very core of your will, your emotions, original sin. We call this. Uh, you are affected. To 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 use another phrase, Pastor, I'm smiling. He knows what this means. That you are totally depraved. You're totally mm-hmm. unable. You are you are like a corpse at a funeral, dead spiritually speaking. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So when when sixty six percent of stateoftheology.com survey say people are good by nature, um, it, it it leads to another thought that people think they're good enough to get to heaven, and that's not true either yeah. because Christ said He is the way, the truth, and life, and, and if we and confess for, our sins, He's faithful and just. Unfortunately, when we say we're good, we look left and right. Yep, but we're not looking. We need to be looking up. Right, and, and so two. we may be good compared to you know. Some yeah. hardcore criminal, right? But we're much closer to that heart, the criminal, than we are to Jesus, probably. Yeah. As far as our sin nature That's goes, right. you know, Jesus is way ab- above us. You know, if Jesus is clothed in his sinless, his are perfectly white. Mm-hmm. You know, our maybe ours aren't completely black. They are, but you know, we may think that ours are not completely black. You know that that hardcore criminal is completely black. You know the guy that rapes kids, and, and we think of them as the most evil creature on worlds. I mean, um, that's why werewolves and, and vampires came up because we couldn't imagine that people could do so, such awful things. So we invented monsters to do them instead of people. Right. But we are the werewolves. We are 
And we may not be as criminal and, and do those things, but we, our clothes are so dark, it, it's indistinguishable from those people, Yeah. From, from God's point of view. Yeah, and Isaiah 64, 6 makes it very clear that our sins are like filthy rags. Uh, it's pretty gross, but uh, in, in the original, they're like, they're like minstrel rags. Uh, they're like a woman's minstrel rags. Like you are, I, I've used the phrase before. It's like you wear a diaper every day and you never change it. Mm-hmm. Like, can you imagine? And then you take that to God and say, God, here's my life. How is it? And, uh, I mean, it's putrid. You don't even – anyway, you get the point. Well, so if you've never changed your clothes. Yeah. I mean, think about if you've never changed your clothes, what would your clothes look like? Tattered. If you even had them available, right. if they even right. survived a lifetime. Right. They, yeah, it's, it's great. So 66% of evangelicals say they are good by nature. Again, way off the biblical base. Last thing, I've literally got to go in about seven minutes. It's <laughs> already that time. Time flies. Who knows what you're doing with your mouth? Yeah. Um, here's another last one from the stateoftheology.com survey from Ligonier. Uh, this is the largest number yet, and this is 75%, three-fourths of survey respondents who claim to know Jesus say God first created Jesus. Let me say that again. 75% of respondents said uh, God first created Jesus. Key word is created. Colossians 1 talks about, uh, and my one of my mentors from Independence, who doesn't want his name on video, and who loves Colossians 1, uh, reminds us all the time that Christ is preeminent. Christ is preeminent before all, before everything. And so we know from Colossians 1 that, uh, uh, that, that Jesus was, for everything was created by him, Colossians 1.16, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, etc., etc. He's before all things, and by him all things hold together. When it says Jesus is the firstborn, it's not saying that Jesus was created. Again, a Jehovah's Witness error it is saying that Jesus is preeminent. He's first in order. He's first in rank. And so when, when 75% of people say God first created Jesus, it, again, you mess that up, everything else falls you're, I see you're in Philippians. Go ahead, Pastor. Yeah, and it goes back to those four ver- those four scriptures I said earlier. John yeah. 1, right. Philippians 2, Colossians 1, Hebrews 1 and 2. It explains this in great detail. You, you just read part of it. You know, in Philippians it says, you know, you know, adopt the same attitude as that of Jesus Christ, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. He was e- he's equal with God because he is God. Yes, humble. Yet he humbled himself. Mm-hmm. Yes, he came to earth. He humbled himself. And for this reason, he's going to be highly exalted. And that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. We don't bow to any created thing. Mm-hmm. We don't bow to any elephants or sharks or lions or any other creature of this world. We don't bow to any created thing, the sun or the moon or Mother Earth. Those are all created things, but we bow to Jesus. Why would we bow to something that is created? Mm. Jesus is God, and the Scripture is clear on this point. So once again, it goes back to, um, you know, of, of all these on here, the two that you have to get right: Jesus was not God; God created Jesus. Those two, mm. okay? We can argue about science. We can argue about gender. And, and but those two, and if you go through the others, will will, will settle themselves out. Yeah, once you believe those things, you got to start with Jesus. And the irony of this survey, as we close here, the irony of this survey is that 
of the worst responses, people um, people are not saying the Bible is not God's word. So in one breath, you have people saying, this is the word of God. But in another breath, they're saying things completely opposite of what the word of God actually says. Because you didn't so, read it. Because you didn't read it. <laughs> it's, you know, we live in a, you know this, folks, we live in a soundbite culture. I'm guilty as much as you. I don't read the whole article. I'll read the headline that gets posted on the Facebook page, right? You know, man jumped off cliff because bear was chasing him. Yeah. Well, why did the man jump off the cliff? <laughs> did he have a parachute? Did he survive? I don't know because I don't know what the headline says. So we do that with the Bible, Holy Bible. You know, we hear enough. So get in the Bibles. Um, as we close, I'll just read this. This is from the survey from Ligonier, their reflection on this. They said, there's much, quote, there's much work to be done in this age of confusion, but we hope the findings of this survey, and, and if you're not, you're joining us or you need to review that, uh, I'll put it up to the camera in just a second, will serve the church and its calling to reach more people with the faithful proclamation of the Word of God. That's why Tyreview friend or member or watcher, whatever you are, we, we try our best at this church to go through the Bible. There, there are times we have topical sermons where we teach on one topic per week. But we want to go through books of the Bible so you get it and that you get it down. And uh, here is the survey, and I'll put that up there. I don't even know if you can see that. Uh, is that on the screen? You can see it better yes, than it's I. on the screen, but it's easy to click on. Yeah, there it is. And there's the actual survey. It's probably backwards for you. You, you, you can put that. You can link it. Well, we'll link it. But, uh, Pastor, we've got a couple minutes. Actually, we've got about one minute. Any last words you want to say before we close out? Well, you say that, that article, you'll put that in the, yeah, in the we'll comments. Yeah, we'll put that in the comments. The link to the article. Yep. And then we'll also respond to any questions that we didn't respond to in the comments. Yeah. Too. Hi, Karen. I see your, 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 your thing there, too. Yeah, so. Well. But the answer to all those questions is, first, you've got to get in the Word. Yeah. you yep. got to get in the Word for yourself. Yeah. Yes, you need to listen to godly pastors. But how do you know if they're a godly pastor if you're not in the Word yourself? Right. You know, is, is it just because they're a good orator? <laughs> no. You know, but you've got to know yourself. To know if they're in it, yeah. and, and and so it, it takes it, it takes time, it takes effort, it may take some sacrifice of stopping doing something else, yeah. whether it's watching late night TV or whatever you, you know, cutting down your Facebook time or whatever it is. Yeah. But you got to get in the word and get in it just at least more than you're doing. Yeah. If you're not reading anything, reading one verse a day is better than nothing. Yeah. If you've been reading one verse a day, try to reading a paragraph of verses a day, yeah. or yeah. a chapter a day. You know, and you just work your way up and even if it's not every day if you're reading three times a week but before you weren't reading except yep. you know reading during the sermon you're, you're doing better <laughs> yeah. so don't compare yourself to some great christian that you're looking up to compare yourself to yourself or am i reading more than i was last month or am i reading more than i was last year yeah. so you got a bible read one year bible reading plan go for it well, I, I, I stopped it. Well, don't start over. Just pick up where you left off. So what if it takes you more than a year? Big deal. Just do it. Get get through it. Keep going. Yeah. Don't quit. Don't quit. That's his famous phrase, don't mm -hmm. quit. Hey, guys, we're out of time, but thank you. We, we really appreciate it. It's one of our longer episodes, but we really wanted we – were, we, we were talking yesterday. Maybe we should do this question, that question, because we didn't have any submitted questions. So if you have a Bible question, drop it down in the comments, message us. We'll be back. We're trying to do this Wednesday afternoons, 2.30 work this week. Uh, you can always watch it later. But thanks for joining us live. And if you're not a Christian, hey, reach out to us. Thank you for joining us. We want you to know what it means to have eternal life. Um, we're not here to sell you a bag of goods. We're regular people too. But the reality is you have to make a choice. Who is Jesus? Did everything he say? Was it true or was it not? That's a choice you'll have to make. 
and that's the only thing that really will matter when all this is said and done. Guys, we're going to be done. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And uh, uh, Karen, where's the best place to start? Start in the book of John, Karen. Just go to the book of John. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, New Testament. There's plenty of places to start. John's a great place to jump John, into. John or Matthew. I mean, John or Matthew. The Gospels, just, you know, just start there and start reading the words of Christ and what's yeah. happening. Exactly. You know, Matthew starts with a genealogy, but you know what? There's a lot of stuff in that genealogy. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so, Yeah, and sorry to cut you off. Before we go, I'm just going to say a quick prayer. Tired of you folks, I'm not going to mention your name publicly, but we got an email on the Facebook today about one of our own who is in surgery today. We're going to pray for that person, third person name only but uh just ask you if you have not seen that to read that and pray for that person and their family today so let's pray pastor nelson thank you uh it's that time so let's pray together father thank you for this day uh on a on a, a cool late summer early fall day lord we thank you for time to fellowship we pray for all those in the survey that that answered incorrectly and i say that intentionally lord but yet at the same time lord who profess to know christ and i pray for all those watching who may have answered similarly uh on these questions from this ligonier survey Father, draw them closer to you, maybe for salvation, but for others, just simply growth. I just pray that in Jesus' name. We also pray for one of our own, Lord, who had a major surgery today. Pray for their family, Lord. You know names and details, but thank you for being with them. Thank you for watching over them. We pray all this today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys. Sayonara. Good day. God bless. Good day. God bless. Feel free to share. You're welcome, Karen. Thanks for joining with us. We'll talk to you later, guys. We'll see you next week. And uh, if you're watching 10.30 a.m. Sunday, we will be here together. Bye-bye.